All right. Well, do you want to start us off with your your joke to really? Yep. It's sure. been a long time since I've heard one, one of, of my your, jokes. One of your bad jokes. One of my awesome jokes. Yeah, one of your one awesome of my amazing, jokes. My amazing jokes. I'm expecting right. that you've saved a really good one for me. Oh, I have a running list for you, Peter. <laughs> Wonderful. I have a bulleted list of good jokes for you. <laughs> Would you like to hear the one I've selected for today? Absolutely. Okay. So, um, why do all Norwegian ships have barcodes on them? I have no idea. So that when they return to port, they can Scandinavian. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> I guess You're I, welcome. that helps me pick the music for this show because it should just be <laughs> wah wah. <laughs> Come on, that's a great joke. Don't pretend like you didn't love that. It was, it was, you know what? That one on the scale of jokes that you've told me, I'm going to put that at a seven out of 10. All right. I'll take it. That's, that is I a passable really, I really joke. I like that one. Yeah. Scandinavian. <laughs> Scandinavian. Because you know, those, those Scandinavians, they like to be orderly. That's true. I've been to yeah. Ikea. I see, a, I see a lot of barcodes there. <laughs> so they can scan the Ikea in. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that that counts as a second joke and you're on a downhill slope oh man <laughs> <laughs> you set me up for it to be, to be there i did well uh welcome to the why did you read that podcast so Hello. uh hi uh i'm peter i'm megan and uh we uh are gonna do this and talk about books so here's the deal we used to be office mates um, I was a librarian at the Far Library. And, I am uh, still a librarian there. Yeah. And I've moved over to uh, the admin side, the evil admin side of library work. And uh, I don't think you're evil. Well, thanks. I'm on the you're evil welcome. side, but you know, there was there's <laughs> probably always some good guy on the evil side, right? Usually. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I moved over there and... Uh, we don't get to talk about books as much anymore, which is a shame, because uh, we both read um, interesting sectors of literature. Can I put it that way? Yeah, I think that's fair. And uh, very different types of things. Yes. Um, you know, we have some books in common and some authors in common, but, uh, you know, it, it would be like I would come in one day and Megan would tell me she was reading a time-traveling romance um, from the Civil War era, let's say, and I would say, I'm reading a book about how to lift really big stones in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Iceland. I, I yeah, I well, got the, that wrong. There are some Iceland stones. There are some Scotland stones. This is a rich European tradition and um, parts of Asia as well. Oh, wow. Asian stones. Yeah. If, if I had no idea. If you're opening a, like a motel in the United States, my suggestion is, Get a big rock, make up a fake story about it, um, and then encourage people to try lifting it. And if they do, they get their name in a book. And then you make yourself a little landmark there. So here's my question. I know that that would motivate you, but do you really think you could support a ho whole hotel with that premise? No. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> but maybe a, a hotel gift shop that sells like uh, some lifting chalk, some uh, ibuprofen for, you know, mm. all the weekend warriors who show up. And <laughs> See, I thought you were going to say it sells miniature, you know, stones that look like the larger stone because that would be so cheap. You just go out to the backyard and oh, collect a bunch of rocks. That is a good idea. Thank you. Yeah. You can have that one. Hmm. Now, yeah, I'm like, just get a bunch of gravel delivered, I guess. <laughs> yep. Be like, oh, you know, a rock is a rock. <laughs> <laughs> what did you expect? This is like the I, new version of the pet rock. Yeah. I Yeah. Okay. I wasn't too excited about pet rocks either, so I'll... I'll I'll take your lead on this. No, I wasn't either. I got one as a gift from a guy who used to cut my hair. That's what he was giving everybody around Christmas time a couple years ago. Did he get them from his backyard, do you think? I have no idea where he got them, or I don't know if he glued the googly eyes on himself, or if he <laughs> bought them that. I do not know. I didn't ask. I, didn't I mean, re- if he spent money on them, that's ridiculous. You should totally just buy bulk googly eyes, and then you're... You're golden. Just go to the park and pick up rocks. I would accuse him of having too much money because if he's got money to buy rocks with googly eyes, but I think my haircut costs like $14, so that's pretty pretty low rate. You can buy a lot of googly eyes with $14. <laughs> I would think so. You'd probably buy more googly eyes than you could ever find rocks for. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're going to talk about some books today. Um, and... The format today is going to be, I've got four books, and I'm going to ask Megan to pick two for me to talk about. She's Mm -hmm. also got four books that I'm going to pick from to hear about. Um, Should I go first, or do you want to go first? You go first. Okay, so maybe what I'll do is tell you my four books, and then uh, you can tell me, you know, your number one and your number two. Are you going to give me details or just titles? I'll give you some brief details so that you can make an informed decision. All right. We're all about informed decisions. Okay. One is a graphic novel called The Bridge, which is about the uh, construction of the Brooklyn Bridge. Okay. Uh, One is called Injustice Gods Among Us, which is a DC comic book. Um, I would call it the DC version of Marvel's Civil War. Oh, okay. Uh, One is called Starting Strength Basic Barbell Training. (laughs) That is like a 400-page book that teaches you how to do five things. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's, it's... It's it was like a textbook. I won't I won't get into it more than that. But there you go. Okay. Okay. And then one is a book. um, I'm kind of reading for work called. 10 Arguments for Deleting All of Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. Okay. Um, And that's by Jaron Lanier or Lanier. I don't know how you say his name. He was in that documentary, The Social Dilemma. Um, If you watched that. Oh, it's it's really good. It's on Netflix. Um, He was the guy with the dreadlocks. I would like to point out that your job is working with social media, so I find it ironic that you're reading a book about deleting social media. Yeah, it's a, you know, I'm trying to uh, use it as ethically as possible, and I uh-huh. have some ethical concerns, but, uh, so I'm trying to just be informed and use it okay. as, um, I guess I'm trying to think of it like skydiving with a helmet. Is it safe? No. Is it the safest way to do something that's not safe? Maybe. 
right. Well, let's start with your social media book because I was in, initially like intrigued by the idea of you reading it because of the nature of your job. All right. So it's called 10 Arguments for Deleting All of Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. And uh, that's basically what it is. It's 10 pretty short chapters. Um, this guy wrote a couple other books. One was called You Are Not a Gadget. And it was kind of about our relationships with our phones and tablets and stuff. Um, and I, I got onto this book because I saw that uh, there's a documentary called The Social Dilemma. And it's really about... It's kind of funny. It's a typical documentary, a bunch of interviews with tech people, but then they kind of do a dramatization portion as well, which mm -hmm. is—it um, wasn't my favorite. It was a little corny for me because <laughs> they're kind of showing how like a young person can be radicalized and how social okay. media does that. Um, but the way they do that is they have this sort of like imaginary control center, which looks like where the Power Rangers would go <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're like pulling levers and pushing buttons to engage this person. So they kind of right. personified the algorithms and stuff on social media. Um, hmm. So that part was kind of funny. But <laughs> the documentary itself had some really interesting aspects to it. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess what's uh, cool about the book. So the author is like a definitely tech industry person. He's worked in tech for kind of a long time. Um, okay. Which at first I was reading it and I was like, well, wait a minute. How old is this person? Because he didn't look very old. But he's talking about a lot of things that happened, um, you know, in the 80s and stuff. But then I remembered it's kind of like a, a hair metal band where they all started when they were like 15 Right. And I'm like, oh, yeah, tech people start when they're, you know, they're transitioning out of diapers and into tech. So I was going to say, I remember the 80s, Peter. I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do, too. But I was not, like, working, you know, with people in Microsoft or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the closest I was to that was, like, I managed to install Doom on a computer one time. Um, That's all right. Way to go. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> So I guess like um I don't want I don't want to like just say the whole contents of the book. I just think sure. some of the maybe some highlights from it real quick. Um I think one of the weird things is that people see social media as good or bad, but it really isn't. It's um it's you know, algorithms are designed to figure out what you engage with. Um but the big problem is they're not really designed to understand why you've engaged okay. with something. They just know that you engaged with something. So the problem is um, I, I compare social media to kind of being like, you know how a toddler or a cat sometimes will um, not make a great distinction between positive and negative attention. It just, mm -hmm. you know, the cat just wants attention. And right. so it might push something off the table to get attention or like a, a toddler will do something they're not supposed to do. When I was a kid, mm -hmm. I went through a very brief phase where I would run out into the street into traffic um, because <laughs> that definitely got my parents' attention. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. I'm a little amazed that you're still with us. <laughs> I really cracked the code on that one. <laughs> but, you know, then because I'm a human, I can learn like, oh, that's not the best way to get attention. Um <laughs> But the, the algorithm doesn't know that. It's not 
programmed to really understand the distinction between good and bad attention. And the other thing that, you know, we're finding out a lot on social media, but in general, is that uh, negative emotion is a lot easier to leverage. So um, it's easier to kind of grab your attention with something that makes you mad or sad Mm -hmm. or outraged than it is to grab your attention with something nice. Um, Yeah. And that's, you know. Yeah. I've noticed that in my own social media. I've made a concerted effort to scroll past things that make me angry and not engage with them. Because I don't want to feed that fire. (laughs) Yeah. And it's it's interesting. I mean, most people can think of an example in their life like – uh, you know, my partner works uh, for a university, and so she does. She gets like class feedback forms, mm-hmm. and she'll get a hundred and forty nine super positive things, and then she'll get one kind of negative thing, and that's the one that sticks with her. Yep. And I think we all have that. Yeah. So the, unfortunately, the algorithms discover that these negative emotions are um, easy to turn into engagement. And so it's it doesn't know why we're engaging with it because we're mad. It just knows right. that we are. And so you get more and more negativity. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a self-perpetuating thing. Um, I guess the So other... you're reading this to save us from ourselves, to well, get us to engage without making us yell at each other. A little bit, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to, uh, you know, I try and make our social media, that's that's my current job. I work a lot in the High Plains Library District social media, so... All the stupid things you see on there and the misspellings are my fault. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, tr- I'm trying to make it a, a friendlier, better place. Um, so I'm trying to – it's kind of like know the enemy, right? Yeah. Um, I guess the other – the weirdest thing about it um, that's come up in the last few years is that – so back in the day before Facebook, before Twitter – um, all that stuff. If let's say, uh, you know, we're watching network news. Um, mm-hmm. and if you were watching MSNBC and I was watching Fox, you could at least click over and see what I'm seeing, right? You would see the same content. You probably wouldn't interpret it the same way, but mm-hmm. you would at least know the messages that I'm receiving. You would at least right. be like, okay, this is where this is coming from. I think a, a good example of this is like, there was that Pizzagate thing that happened, I think, in, like, 2016, maybe, or 2015. Was this about the pizza shop that was supposedly had a basement? Yes. That it actually doesn't have a basement? Yeah, and there were, like, okay. kidnapped children there or something. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah. it kind of all came to a head because a guy went there with a gun to, like, liberate the people who were being held captive there. Right. Um, and that moment was kind of big because I think a lot of people... When the guy went there with a gun, this was the first they'd heard of this. Um, I think I read something about the cop who, you know, arrested him and he was saying all these things and this cop was like, what is this person talking about? Yeah. Um, And that's an example of like some people are seeing really, really different stuff on uh, Facebook than other people. But what's scary about it is... It's not like before where I could at least see what you're seeing and maybe understand more of where you're coming from or like why you have the opinions you have. Mm-hmm. But now, even if you and I are very closely aligned, like politically and demographically and so on and so forth, our Facebook feed, our Twitter feed will look nothing alike. 
Yeah. Um, and the things that are highlighted will be totally different for both of us. And there's no way for me to like retrace and see what you saw and say, oh, okay. Now I kind of understand why you thought what you thought. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of scary. It's kind of a, a very manipulative. Yeah. And I think the big thing, the big message of the, the book is that um, if you're not paying to use a service, then, um, you know, you are the commodity that's being traded. Your data yep. and all that kind of stuff is, is what's of value. So you, you're, you might not be paying out of your wallet for the service, but you are paying for it. Um, right. They're taking your you're data. You're trading your information about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of a unfortunate system. And I, I like the book because he suggests ways that he's not saying social media has to be destroyed and shuttered, but mm -hmm. he's suggesting that by getting off social media, we can make demands for it to work better. Yeah. Well, I'm, I think that's an excellent reason to read that book. And I appreciate that you are, you can't fix Facebook and you can't fix Twitter, but you can at least try to, you know, make the library's presence on those places a little less horrible. Yeah. Well, I'm trying. It's pretty funny. I'm part of like a, a government social media group online, you know, and mm -hmm. we'll kind of share tips or people will ask weird questions sometimes like, how would you handle this? Um, and every once in a while, something comes up where it's like, I don't know what else to do other than trying to contact Facebook and get them to fix it. And it's just like, yes, uh, you might as well write your wish on a paper and put it in a bottle and throw it in the sea because <laughs> it's going to get there just as fast. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. That's uh, that's my 10 arguments book. I, it's, I recommend it. HPLD has it in paperback format. Okay. Um, I, I've been reading it on Kindle, which I guess is a little ironic, but I'm, I'm learning to live with it. <laughs> I mean, we're in a pandemic. Sometimes you just can't get out of the house. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Thank we you for justifying my behavior. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm good at that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you want to do your second one or do you want me to tell you my choices? I think you should tell me yours and then do we'll do one of yours. Okay. So here are my four books. Um, I'm currently reading, so I haven't finished this one, but I'm in the middle of it. Mad and Bad, Real Heroines of the Regency, which is about, so Bridgerton, you know, is real popular right now, and that takes place during the Regency. So it's about women's role in Regency England, basically. Okay. Um, I'm reading, or actually I have read a book called Hollow Places by T. T Kingfisher, and that is a horror novel, and I picked it specifically because I thought that the setting, which is the Glory to God Museum of Natural Wonders, Curiosities, and Taxidermy, would appeal to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, then we've got the book Outsider by Linda Castillo. And this is the only book I've read in the series. It's number 12 in the Kate Burkholder uh, Amish crime series. And then The Angel of the Crows by Catherine Addison, which is a fantasy retelling of Sherlock Holmes stories. Okay. Um, well, obviously I'm interested in hollow places. Mm -hmm. 
You want me to start there? Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> right. I mean, okay. you know, as you're saying that, I was almost like, should have saved this for last because I, I have to write <laughs> down these other titles. So I remember to ask about a second one later. <laughs> it's fine. I can remind you. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Hollow Places by T. Kingfisher, um, who that is the pen name for an author named Ursula Vernon. Um, so in case anyone's interested in reading some of her other stuff, I think she writes mainly horror as T. Kingfisher. Uh, It was inspired by a classic horror short story called The Willows by Algernon Blackwood, which I haven't read. So if you haven't read it, I think you'll be fine. Um, But if you're a fan, you'll probably find it interesting. And it's about a woman named Kara who has just gotten divorced and um, is trying to figure out how to restart her life. So she's looking at moving back in with her mother for a while. And they're not estranged or anything, but they have that kind of relationship that I think a lot of us have with family where, you know, you love each other, but if you spend too much time together, you just end up screaming at each other, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. I have a, I have a brother who lives out of state. And so when he comes home, he's here for a couple weeks usually. And so he lives Mm -hmm. with my mom in like his, you know, teenage bedroom. Right. And, uh, you can, you can tell as time wears on, they start to get on each other's nerves a little bit. Yep. Yeah, and it's a lot like that. So she's willing to do it, but not looking forward to it. Um, It's probably not going to go well for either one of them. And her uncle Earl calls her, and he owns the Glory to God Museum of Natural Wonders, Curiosities, and Taxidermy, which is basically just, um, it's like a two-story building in like a, a strip mall kind of a place. And it's filled with just weird stuff um, that he people send him and he finds and um, buys. He's got, you know, like a taxidermied grizzly bear. He's got um, a Tahitian or a Fiji mermaid, which um, apparently is, I don't know, problematic. <laughs> I would look it up on the internet for details about the Fiji mermaids. And, is that uh, one of those things where they take like a, what's that creature, like a water skate and carve, carve its dead body or something like that? Or is this maybe. a whole other thing? Well, I'm I'm not entirely sure. I think it might be where they take pieces of dead things and sew them together into another thing. <laughs> wow. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure. People uh, did some really been, weird stuff yeah. back in the day. It's true. And they have like he has like little taxidermied mice that are in like um, tableaus where they're oh, dressed yeah. up and things like just weird stuff that he finds. And so he's got a whole building just filled with this stuff. And he calls her because he's um, he has a spare room and he says, you know, I cleared out the spare room. If you want to move in, you can help me with the museum. And she loves the museum. She loves her uncle Earl, and they get along. So she was like, cool, I'm going to move in with you. And She's helping him out. She decides she's going to catalog all the weird stuff so they know what's in the museum because he's always moving stuff around and she takes things and throws them away. Um, a lot like uh, dried fish stuff that the cat wants to eat, um, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So she's going to make a catalog so they know what they have in the building. And while she's working on that, he he has lots of you know pain and it figure out that he needs surgery. So she's like, well, I'm here now, so you go get your surgery. I'll take care of the museum. So she's taking care of the museum and while she's looking around and like moving stuff, she finds a hole in the wall. And as she looks through the hole, (laughs) she discovers that there's like this long hallway and she says, Oh, this could be, you know, more room for stuff for the museum. Like when they built this wall, they left this 
you know, extra three feet of space on the other side that we could totally use. Oh, you poor, sweet, innocent soul. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet summer child. (laughs) Gee whiz, we could expand the business. (laughs) Yep, pretty much. So she gets a hammer and she breaks down a big hole in the wall so that she can get in there and see, you know, the condition, what's it like. And it runs both ways and she walks one way and there's this room and it's empty and she's like, Okay, don't know what's going on here. And then she walks to the other end and it seems to go a lot longer than it should. Like it's going past the building, but she's like, must be one of those weird optical illusions. Mm. Then she gets to this room and I believe there's a dead body in it (laughs) and stairs that go up and it's a two story building and she's on the second floor. So there should not be stairs going up. Okay. So yeah, (laughs) she's like, okay. And just to clarify a dead human body, because there's been a bunch of other dead Yeah, it's like, it almost looks like a soldier, I think, if I recall correctly. Oh, boy. So she beats feet and is like, I'm getting out of here, which I think is a good choice. Yes. Yep. And goes next door to the coffee shop that they rent the space. Her uncle owns the whole building, so he rents that space to the coffee shop and talks to Simon, the barista, and says, I need help putting a wall back up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Again, good choice. Good choice. Yeah. Um, so he says, okay, well, I can help you with that. For now, let's just put a tarp up there um, mm. so that, you know, whatever. And then we'll we'll put drywall or whatever. And so they, they put up a temporary wall and nothing they do seems to work. Um, it keeps on like... Things keep moving in the in the museum, you know, in the middle of the night. She keeps hearing weird noises. And they decide that they're going to explore this hallway. <laughs> so, oh. Yeah. It was going go so in. well briefly there. Yeah. Where it's just like, yeah. nuts well, to this, wall it up. Yeah, I know. But still. They got to do something scary. You know, I do like that the the writer of this novel was like, I'm going to give everybody a minute to breathe and make them think that they're making a good choice (laughs) and that this book is going to end and there's just going to be 200 blank pages after this. Yeah. No, 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 no. So they, they go in and they bring like some food and water and they go up the stairs and basically what they see is that they're on a tiny Island with a bunker on top. So the bunker is where the stairs come out and like an Island in the ocean. No, it's in like a giant river. So it's like a, a tiny Island that's barely big enough for the bunker And they can see a bunch of other tiny islands all around them. And each one has a bunker on it. And some of them have these willow trees as well. So she says, let's, let's take a stick and put it on our Island and let's just cross over. Cause it's not too deep. It's just like a, a narrow river, almost like a river Delta. Mm-hmm. And we'll explore another one of these bunkers. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. <laughs> so they, <laughs> they go in And they're finding all sorts of weird, creepy stuff. They're finding things that look like they're from our world, but like, you know, Bibles only. The text is not at all like uh, a a Christian Bible like we would know. Sure. Um, Yeah. And they're, they're finding more dead bodies and they're just finding strange stuff. They keep going from bunker to bunker. Then they finally get to a larger island and they find an abandoned like school bus. And they have a weird feeling about it. And I don't want to talk about what happens because I could never do it justice, but it's a very creepy scene. And they're like, okay, we got to go. And they start running back to their, 
bunker, but they can't find the right one. No, Who would have guessed it? I know. <laughs> Let's just put a small <laughs> stick here and then we'll know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought our so, perfect stick plan would not pan out? Foiled again. In this weird supernatural environment. <laughs> So I'm not going to spoil how the rest of it goes, um, but I will say that there is creepy stuff in this alternate dimension, and they are trying to figure out how to both how to get home and then how to seal up this wall for good, because she really doesn't want to leave this hole there. She knows her uncle well enough to know that when he gets home, he's going to you know find this hole, and he will go exploring, and he will get destroyed by the creepy things in this alternate world. Wow. So she really does have a like a good reason for for figuring out what's in this world and how to how to stop it cuz she loves her uncle and she doesn't want him to get like well, creepy things happen and I'm not going to spoil it but she doesn't want that to happen to her uncle. <laughs> That's fair. You yeah. know, I I I get it. Sometimes sometimes you get in these horror situations and it becomes about like okay, this is bigger than my personal survival. Uh Right. This doesn't seem like a good thing to just have sitting around. <laughs> right. It reminds me of um, the movie Die Hard with a Vengeance. They had some bombs that, you know, were uh, defused or whatever. And uh-huh. repeated a repeated sort of joke in the movie is someone defuses a bomb and then starts walking away from it. And someone's like, are you going to just leave that there? Some kid could find that. Like, <laughs> So this exactly. is like the... Are you just going to leave that there? Your uncle might find it. Or some kid, exactly. or who knows. Right. Some person who comes to the museum and goes, what's behind this tapestry? Oh, look, it's a hole. Let's go look. There's definitely yeah. um, a short story in there of, I would call it, hard nope. And it's just mm-hmm. somebody who, throughout their life, has been in several horror-type scenarios that are early <laughs> in the development stage, and they just they say nope. They get in a car, they drive to another state and start over. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a great decision. This would also be a a place where, and I don't even know if this would, you know, get rid of the hole between dimensions, but, you know, you just maybe burn the building down. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. I was like, I'm not like a violent person, but I was like, I I mean, yeah, demolish the building. Yeah. You know, why not? And then at least the hole is on like in the middle of the air because it's on the second floor. Yeah, I feel like... If Maybe that, build a one-story building underneath it. Call it good. Yeah, it's some kind of a... Just fill it in with cement or something. I don't know. Yeah. there's. It seems <laughs> like... Well, I guess there's potential solutions, and the solutions can also <laughs> cause their own problems. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, it's super creepy and atmospheric, and there's some gross stuff in it. So if you're squeamish about gross stuff, which I know you aren't... No, um, not so much. Consider that, but... Yeah, Hollow Places by Teen Fisher, and the library does own it, so you can borrow it from the library. That sounds pretty amazing. I'm it's glad, great. I'm glad we did this for yeah, no other too. reason, because I got to hear about that. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, All right, so I want to hear about your DC Civil War. Injustice. Book. Yes. Gods Among Us by Tom Taylor and others. Um. Okay, so if you're familiar with Marvel Civil War, which I'm going to just assume that everyone kind of is, at least from the yeah, movie. Yeah, have seen the movie, right? Yeah. And uh, so, you know, like, this is a classic comic book setup, is uh, having two heroes sort of fighting against each other. And uh, this is another one of those. It seems, I think the most popular version of two heroes fighting each other is Batman versus Superman. And I 
don't know why, because it seems very weird as far as like, I mean, Superman has all of these powers and can do all of these things. Basically invincible. Yeah. He's invincible. He could like shoot you with laser eyes from space. He could throw you into, you know, he could do anything. And Batman's Um, a dude. And Batman is a rich dude, but a dude. uh, Yeah. Batman's very wealthy. He has great technology. Um, You know, he... If we can assume what the comics say, he's like basically peak performance human. So, right. you know, if if we can give some leeway here, it's like fast as Usain Bolt, you know, as strong as Brian Shaw and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, even then against Superman, <laughs> that's really not a thing. Right. But whatever. Um, so some events happen. So here's the, here's the thing about this. This is kind of like an uh, alternate universe tale. So this is a thing that confuses people about comics sometimes is that there's kind of like the mainstream universe or like maybe what we would call canon or something like mm-hmm. that. And then sometimes people will do these sort of Elseworlds, other universe type of stories. Um, yeah, this be- is in fan fiction too. You see that in fan fiction. Yeah, exactly. This is like, imagine this is a fan fiction except, you know perfectly done um and so and using you know characters that if you did fan fiction stuff with them i'm sure dc would be like what are you thinking (laughs) um but anyway so the the sort of setup for the story is you know batman's fighting the joker it's kind of a typical thing um and then the joker does something that really uh, upsets Superman to a, an extreme degree. And so Superman kills the Joker. And oh. Yeah. And so that's this, not a Superman move. No, it's not. And this kind of puts him on a, you know, he's on like a, a downward spiral as far as um, his tolerance for people doing things goes way down. And then he starts getting involved also in some, like, you know, world politics type of stuff um, with questionable results. And so what ends up happening is some of the, you know, DC heroes side with Superman. And uh, Batman is opposed to Superman because he feels that, like, what Superman is doing is um, basically ruling the world with an iron fist rather than... Uh, You know, letting people make their own choices. And so some heroes side with Batman. And so they kind of have a back and forth. They do a little bit of fighting with each other. They do a little bit of things to try and, like, um, exploit each other's weaknesses and stuff. Um, It's just good comics. It's a lot of fun. And uh, it's kind of dark in some ways, but it's... uh, if you like these comics, if you like these darker stories, if you like the sort of, I don't know if I want to say if you like the DC Comics movies, because I don't know how many people, it seems like most <laughs> of us have a complicated relationship with them at best. Yeah, yeah. But if you sort of, if you can tolerate that tone, it, you know, maybe with some better, more sensical stories, um, this is a great one. And what's, so- what's, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you, as you know, I don't read a lot of superhero comics. So my question would be, how much do you need to know about the DC universe to enjoy this? You don't really need to know anything. I mean, what you know is probably 
what an average person would know is probably adequate. You know, okay. the, the big players are like Batman, Superman, uh, Wonder Woman. But, you know, you don't need to know everything about Wonder Woman, for example. Okay. Um, the Flash is in there, but you don't need to know, like, a ton of his backstory. Um, Just kind of that they exist and what their powers kind of are. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, the only things I could think that would be weird is, uh, you know, you need to know, like, Aquaman is, like, the king of Atlantis, and he kind of considers that a separate nation from the surface world. Okay. Um, but that's kind of spelled out. There's a character named Black Canary who people probably aren't as familiar with. Um, she was in uh, Birds of Prey. Yes. In the movie. Yeah. So there you go. I don't know how closely they align, but I I like that movie. Yeah, that was a pretty fun movie. I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> um, Harley Quinn plays a role in Injustice as well, and Green Arrow. So okay. I don't, and I don't know how close he matches up with the TV show, but uh, I think everything that you need to know is contained in there, provided you know the basics of. It's weird for Superman to kill somebody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think if you come in with that knowledge, um, and the, you know the sort of funny comic book thing of like. I mean, Batman won't kill the Joker, but, you know, he'll arrest him a thousand million times. Right. And also... Drop, like, a piece of a building on him, maybe. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That was... It was kind of... When I was playing, there were some Batman games that came out, like, on the Xbox a couple years back, like Arkham City and stuff. Uh Uh-huh. And it was funny, because, you know, you don't kill anyone. You're Batman. But you would, like throw a guy over a railing and he would fall like four stories and onto you know pipes or something (laughs) completely unconcerned about traumatic brain injury (laughs) yeah he would swoop down from like a 10-story building and full force kick someone in the back of the neck and you know but it has this little (laughs) thing on the screen that's like you know shows unconscious and shows his heart rate and i was like sure <laughs> i mean uh, may never be conscious again but his heart's beaten <laughs> yeah i was like is this a little heads up display that batman has in his eyepieces in his suit just to make him feel better cuz i was like there's <laughs> there's no way that guy is still alive yeah <laughs> if that guy had just fallen that hard and hit his head on the concrete i don't know if i would be very concerned <laughs> yeah I'm not sure a 10-story fall onto concrete is anything any show, anybody should try. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, what's what's really interesting, so I'm like a real latecomer to this party. Like this is, a, I think, from maybe 2013 is when these comics came out. Okay. And the reason I'm so late to it is because these are comics that are based on a video game that came out in late 2013. Um, okay. It was like a fighting game. Um, it was made by the people who made Mortal Kombat, but they they made this very different. Like, you don't do some of the terrible, violent things you do in Mortal Kombat. You it's, don't rip out any spines? Yeah. It's more like over-the-top action style. Okay. Um, so, you know, when I hear, oh, comic books based on a video game of these characters, I'm like, mm, pass. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think I need that. But it turns out I did. It turns out, right. much to writer Tom Taylor's credit, he took what was a horrible idea for, like, can you write a a comic book series that creates a reason for superheroes to fight each other? And he did a, a bang-up job. So why'd you pick it up if you were so skeptical about it? What, what, what made you do it? You know, it was on, um, it's on Hoopla, 
Whereas I read a lot of comics on Hoopla right now from High Plains. Yeah. And the deal is you get uh, four checkouts a month. And so I try and space out my comics so that I have a pretty good amount to read. So I check out longer ones when I can. Um, Makes sense. And there's like a, a full, I think, 12-issue collection or something. Little hoopla tip for everybody. Make sure you get like the biggest collection. There's a series called Paper Girls on there. And uh, mm-hmm. you can check it out in a format that's got like the first four issues. Or you can check it out in a format that has like the first 10 issues. So really, you kind of double your checkout value. So yeah, Injustice was a Library good... Library Insider tip. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> so that was it was kind of a way to maximize the value of that checkout. It was one that was on my list that I was like, well, this will take me a while to read. Okay. Um, and yeah, I just heard through the grapevine that it was really good. And I still I had my doubts knowing the origins. Yeah. I wish I hadn't known the origins. I would have probably read it seven years ago and forgot about it and then been able to read it again and enjoy it again. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I know. All right. I'm picking <laughs> now. When you say mad and bad, does mad, is that like their, you know, that time's term for insane? Or is it like no, angry? So you maybe have heard this quote. Um, I think it was Caroline Lamb said that uh, Lord Byron, the poet, mm-hmm. was mad, bad, and dangerous to know. Uh-huh. So basically, she, the author of this book is, um, is saying a lot of the focus uh, of the Regency has been put on people like Lord Byron, but there are a lot of really interesting and, and fascinating and, you know, wild women from the time who we should also be paying attention to. All right, let's so do that. play on that quote. Let's do that, do that one then, yeah. Cool. I really like this book. So it's uh, Mad and Bad, Real Heroines of the Regency, and it's by B, as in Beatrice, B. Koch. And I picked it for a couple of reasons. One is that my book club, my personal book club, is reading it. So that's why I'm reading it now. <laughs> um, but I also am interested in it because the author, B. Koch, is one of the co-owners of the romance themed bookstore in Los Angeles um, called The Ripped Bodice. Oh, yeah. And I've yeah, been I, there. I know you have because I asked you to go. (laughs) Um, So I, I follow them on social media and she has, um, she has some degrees in history and in specifically like art, I think like fashion history. And so she's interested in history. She's interested in um, historical fashion and she's really well-versed in the world of romance novels, which as you know, is something I read a lot of. Um, this is a real so, uh, renaissance woman here. Yeah, she's an interesting lady. And um, they're sisters, the owners of this bookshop. And they also have a first deal with Sony where they bring romance novel ideas to Sony for adaptation into TV shows and movies and stuff. Yeah. So they've signed a deal with Beverly Jenkins um, for one of her books. I think it was Indigo to turn that into something. So I'm really excited to see where that goes. Is Indigo anyway. the one that you said was really good, but the cover is horrible? Yes. And it's not all of the covers, but the cover we have for the library is basically just a bunch of shades of blue and it's so boring, but it looks amazing. It looks like like something I would... Railroad has like romance. It's great. Yeah. And the the cover looks like, I mean, if you were like, you have 10 minutes on MS Paint to design a cover for a book called Indigo and we're not going to tell you anything else about it. Yep. That's it's what like, we would have come up well, with. Well, okay. It's like the most self-published of self-published covers. Yeah. Ever. It's really bad. 
<laughs> it's just a real so shame because it's, you know, it you said it's a good book, but I got to believe and, people pull that off the shelf and they're like, ooh, no, thank you. Yeah. And there are um, covers that are good. It's just the cover we have, the edition we have in the library has a, a horrible cover. So that's, a, that's like a side recommendation. Check out Indigo by Beverly Jenkins. It's great. Um, but anyway, so she wrote this book because she's interested in women and history and the Regency and romance novels. And turns out her timing is perfect because now Bridgerton has come out. So there are a whole bunch of new people mm. who are interested in the Regency period uh, who don't know as much about it. So you can learn a bunch about Regency history with this book as well. So the Regency was only 10 years. It was 1810 to 1820. And it's called that because um, Mad King George, George III, who is the same George from Hamilton, he's the one who was king, but he went crazy. And there are all kinds of um, ideas about what it might have been. But fact is, we don't actually know what was wrong with him. But he was incapable of ruling. So his son, George, who was eventually George IV, um, he became the Prince Regent and he was ruling for his father for those 10 years. And that's why it's called the Regency is because he was the Prince Regent. And um, a lot of the figures from that time that pe that people talk about are like Lord Byron, Admiral Lord Nelson, uh, the Duke of Wellington, who won the Battle of Waterloo. Jane Austen was active during this time. So that's that gives you a, an idea of the historical context for the Regency. There are a ton of interesting women, apart from Jane Austen, who everybody knows, who are doing lots of cool stuff. And so she's writing about them as well. Um, and she also goes into like the women just before the Regency who kind of led to kind of developed the role that women would play. And then also what women did with the time after the Regency, like where they took, where they took their roles after. So you don't just get that 10 years, you kind of get bookends for before and after as well. So I haven't finished it, but I just want to like touch on some of the interesting things that I've learned. Like, um, so you're going to have to stop me if I get too nerdy because this gets real deep <laughs> into like historical romance lingo. <laughs> sure. Are you I mean, familiar with, you're, with you're asking, that? this is like asking someone who can't swim to be your lifeguard. Cause it's I like, know. I just spent uh, 10 minutes talking about, you know, DC comics history. <laughs> it's very different. So if I say something that you're like, what the heck is that? You have to tell me. Okay. <laughs> I may not realize. Um, are you familiar with all No. Probably not. So Almax was a set of assembly rooms in London. And uh, basically they, during the season, which was I think something like six months, all of the high society would come to London and they'd have a ton of um, balls and parties and dinners. And basically it was everyone descending on the city to make advantageous matches and marriages because um, that's how they kept their money. That's how they kept their power. So it was all about, you know, finding an advantageous match. And All Max was a set of assembly rooms where they would hold balls every week and um, you had to have an invitation to go. Um, so it was like the ticket for for the social season. If you could get your invite to All Max, you know, then your chances of getting a good marriage went way up. And there were a bunch of patronesses of All Max and they were the ones who issued the invitations. So she writes, the whole first chapter is basically about these patronesses um, and what they were like, what the gossip about them was like, and the immense power that they held. Like, um, who was it? There was somebody super famous. He was like, I think it was the Duke of, of Wellington, who, the, the guy who won Waterloo. He was turned away um, because he wasn't wearing short pants, which was part of the the, the costume requirements. So you had you, he was wearing full length pants, and you had to wear knee breeches 
to get in. And so they turned him away and caused a scandal. So hold on. In this era, (laughs) it was appropriate Uh to wear shorts to a... uh... No, not shorts. Those kinds of pants that go just below the knee and button, and then you have stockings on Okay, I gotcha. I was picturing, I mean... Not real. Well, yeah. Honestly, I was like, my head first went to like a guy in cargo shorts walking around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is like 1810, Peter. <laughs> I went to a uh, wedding one time where, you know, the uh, dress was very casual. And that's what uh-huh. it said on the, the thing. It's like very casual, very casual. And so uh, I showed up and met up with a couple people I knew. And it was a husband and wife team. And something had happened to his formal clothes. So they had to basically buy them on the way. And he okay. bought a he bought a pair of shorts and a button up shirt because and his wife insisted like that it'll be fine. It said it's very casual. Don't worry about it. You're not the one getting married. Blah 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 blah. And then he showed up and he was the only one in shorts. Oh. And so he spent the entire night walking around being like, "Hi, I'm sorry I wore shorts. My wife said it would be fine." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's the worst when you feel like you stand out that way. It was pretty amazing. And then, you know, they did a picture where the photographer's kind of on a balcony and everybody's standing below. And so he uh-huh. made sure to get behind someone and stand very close to them so that his shorts were not visible in the... <laughs> oh, strategy. Yeah, and he's like, oh, good, the tables have tablecloths. No one's going to know when I'm seated that... <laughs> yeah, he's just going to sit the whole night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's good stuff okay anyway. so yeah um his uh his long pants got him got him denied and it was a whole scandal because they're like he is a he is a patriot and he won you know our he won the battle of waterloo you should have let him in anyway <laughs> and they're like well he should have got some uh short pants then yeah if he, wanted he knew to the come. rules yeah <laughs> uh so you also get like dido elizabeth bell um she was the daughter, she was what they call the natural daughter, basically a legitimate daughter of a duke and um, a woman in the Caribbean who was enslaved by the duke. So she was biracial and um, she lived in London with the rest of his family and basically um, was raised as like sisters with his his legitimate daughters and you know, paintings of her. So you get to kind of learn about how a lot of people of color were whitewashed out of the Regency and they were totally there, but you don't hear about it. Um, you learn about Queen Charlotte, who was George III's wife. She's also the grandmother of Queen Victoria. Um, so you hear about some of her. Mary Seacole, who was a Jamaican woman who um, in the Crimean War, she was a nurse and you learn some about that. Mary Anning kind of introduced us to the fossil records. You learn about her. Uh, do you know the TV show Gentleman Jack? No. So it's a, it's inspired by the life of Anne Lister, um, who was a gay woman who dressed as a man um, or very masculinely. And so the TV show is about her life, and you learn a little bit about her in the book as well. So just tons of really interesting and unusual women in their lives in this time. And um, we do have it in the library. It's mad and bad. It's super interesting. And it's very casually written. So even though it's like a history and a biography, it's kind of conversational. So it's not like you're reading a textbook. That's what I like. Like uh, Yeah, me too. When you read something sciencey and it's uh, like a Mary Roach thing, and you're like, yeah. okay, I can follow this. I'm with yeah. you. She's not trying to impress me with her brain. <laughs> yeah, she's right, trying to right. get my interest. <laughs> uh, she's not pretending like she didn't take her uh, her dissertation, add a couple apostrophes, and you know, turn some do nots into a don't, and be like, that's a book now. 
now the common man will enjoy it. Yeah, I've written something for the common scum, and you're going to love it. <laughs> See, contractions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds pretty interesting. I like, I do like, uh, you know, when there are these weird uh, little pockets of history that have sort of like... Sometimes it seems intentional and sometimes it seems unintentional, but they just kind of pop back up. Yeah. And then you're like, how have I never heard of this? Yeah. Well, I mean, romance readers, they know the Regency. And a lot of people are surprised that it was only 10 years. You know, it wasn't that long. But when you think about all of the Jane Austen types of movies and shows that you see in the books, it seems like it should be, you know, at a lifetime. But it was just 10 years. Yeah, that's also weird. I have yeah. a question about the Regency period. Okay. Do you have any idea why the Hallmark store is like Hallmark Regency? What is that? No. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I maybe I if I had to guess, and it is a guess, I would say that they're like putting the pinky up and being fancy. Ah, uh, okay. But they're I like, don't know that for sure. This is like a fancy. It's like when you have a S H O P P E shop. Yes. And they're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know, Hallmark. I don't know if I'm buying your uh, fanciness. Well, and they may have another reason. I don't want to pretend like I'm the authority here. But when I see that, I'm just like, oh, this is fancy Hallmark. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe there's like a whole thing. It's like there are Hallmark stores and then there are Hallmark Regency stores. And those are the... You need to wear short pants to get in. (laughs) Right. (laughs) What do you think you're doing coming in here with those long pants? Out. You know the rules. Yeah. What, do you want all of our customers to faint out of shock? (laughs) We only have so many fainting areas to go around in this store. That's right. (laughs) They're mostly reserved for people who are wearing too tight of a corset right now. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And who ought to seem extra feminine and possibly get a little physical attention from men, which was forbidden otherwise. So if you fainted, a man could help you up. But a man you're not married to or related to, you're not supposed to really touch. Oh, I see. Yeah, unless you're dancing. Well, sure. And they, even then, like there are all these rules. You can't dance with the same man more than twice. It's a scandal if you do. I see. Maybe this is why dancing is such a popular thing. Because it, you know, it played that. Yeah. It served a purpose back in the day. Yeah, and you could talk to each other without, like, somebody listening in because, you know, for that amount of period of time, you're, like, near each other, so you can kind of have a conversation. Yeah, that makes sense. It's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, and you can always, you have, like, plausible deniability of, like, oh, we're just dancing. Yeah. I just just love the art of dance. It has nothing to do with (laughs) that person. Yeah, just to get extra nerdy, there's a whole part in the first chapter about all mechs where they allowed... So when they started All Max, only country dances were allowed. And that's kind of like where it's like what we might call square dancing, only it's, you know, the English refined version of square dancing where like you, you are across from each other and you like step in and then you circle each other and whatever. Yeah. So the patronesses at All Max let, let like other dances happen. And it was like shocking. Oh, so that's the kind of dancing where it's like all the ladies are in a row and all the yeah. fellas are in a long, kind of, or a little like uh, line dancing, maybe. <laughs> yeah, like that, or you know, in you know, in a circle, and like two, the two across from each other would step in and like do a little move, and then step back, and then the other two would step in. That oh, kind gotcha. Of dance. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's it. I like I like too that uh, you know there was somebody with the guts to be like, 
I'm not going to let this hero. I'm trying to think of who like a modern day equivalent, you know, like it'd be like uh, Sully, that guy who landed the plane on the Hudson or whatever. Right. <laughs> and they're like, Miracle on the Hudson. Yeah. And they have like a steakhouse and they, they give him the boot because he's wearing shorts. And <laughs> someone's like, did you know who that was? And they're like, yeah, I knew exactly who that was. You got to wear pants in here. <laughs> <laughs> he saved, he well, saved my mother's life. I don't care. You have to wear pants in here. Yep, it's true. He plays well, by the same extra, rules. <laughs> like, people were extra affected by it because women didn't really have any power, but in this circumstance, they had all the power. And so it was like, this this woman told this military hero he couldn't come in, and it was like a big deal. This, uh, this also kind of, on the one hand, I love it. On the other hand, if I was experiencing it, I'd be like, this person has gone power mad. Like, they <laughs> it's like you know talk about your iron fist yeah like you occasionally occasionally you'll work with someone who gets like a tiny modicum of power and then you know is exploiting it and abusing it on a level where you're like wow i i hadn't really considered that you know this small amount of power would go to their head that way but here we are here we are (laughs) (laughs) well this has been excellent yeah I appreciate hearing about these books. Um, Do you want to put in one quick plug with the titles and authors again? Absolutely. So the first one I talked about was Hollow Places by T. Kingfisher. And the other was Mad and Bad, Real Heroines of the Regency by B. Koch. And they both are in the library. And then uh, mine is were 10 Arguments for Deleting All of Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. That's a very long title by... Jaron Lanier or Lanier, L-A-N-I-E-R. And then Injustice, Gods Among Us by Tom Taylor. And uh, the uh, social media book is only in print. And Injustice, uh, I know for sure we have on Hoopla. I'm fairly confident it's also, we have versions of it in print. I did not check to see if we had digital editions available of mine. That's okay. But I'm sure if you go to our catalog or call us, we will look it up for you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. MyLibrary.us. And you can find everything you're looking for there. Absolutely. All right. Well. It was good to talk to you, Peter. It was good to talk to you, too. Um, And hopefully we'll get to do this again soon. I hope so. I enjoyed hearing about what you're reading. I've missed it. Yeah, me too. Me too. (laughs) All right.